Tim, normally we'd start at this episode with the fast break. I think that with everything going on right now, it would feel improper for us, you know, two white guys talking about sports to ignore what needs to be said. And that's that black lives matter. And, you know, for anyone listening, like we're not looking for your concurrence in this, you're free to express your own opinions. Uh, you know, you have that right um, and a right that it's taken, honestly, free speech, that right is taken for granted here on a daily basis when many countries in the world are unable to say that they possess that right. Uh, yeah, man, I've seen a lot of people on social media repost some of the uh, quotes from Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, like riots are the language of the unheard. Um, it's true. They are a manifestation of that. But there's another part of the same speech that goes probably even a little further. Uh, as long as Americans postpone justice, we stand in position of having the recurrence of violence and riots over and over again, which we've definitely seen over the last several years. Uh, it goes on social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. Uh, we don't seem to be very good at accomplishing the latter portion of that quote, only the former, because we do continue to see these and they all seem to generally be sort of the same reasons over and over. It started years ago with Rodney King, you know. Even saw, before that? Yep, even before that. I just for a lot of people, you know, who might be listening to this, Rodney King might be the first time they were visibly, you know, sort of shown. Yeah, yeah. And it's shown what the outcome of that is when you have a level of inequality that's not, and, and the representation is in front of you in clear daylight on camera. Yeah. It, you know, I think too, that um, there, there's been obviously a lot of push on social media, just where there's generating memes uh, reposting quotes. Uh, and then of course we're looking for the leaders, right. In the athletic world and then, you know, the political world to kind of get involved, sort of give us some guidance, show us the way a little bit. Cause I think we're kind of lost. And there was a recent medium blog by former president Obama and highlighted the things that as Americans, we need to do the most, right. Primarily we have to acknowledge, he said that the waves of protests across the country, which are, are now in hundred plus cities, they, they represent a genuine and legitimate frustration over a decades long failure to reform police practices and the broader criminal justice system in the United States. The overwhelming majority of participants have been peaceful, courageous, responsible, and inspiring. They deserve our respect and support, not condemnation, something that police in cities like Camden and Flint have commendably understood. And I'm not sure if you've seen that viral video, Tim. I know I have watched it a couple of times of the police chief in mm -hmm. Flint, Michigan, where he took off his body armor and he addressed the crowd and, and he was speaking to them. And, and then he asked them what he could do. And the crowd responded back, walk with us. And he was like, all right, let's do it. And then like the whole crowd roared and then, he, you know, he walked with them in peaceful protest. And you're seeing a lot more of that go on now. And I yep. think that that's huge. Um, you know, here we are six days, it seems like into this protest. Yeah. And I think like you, you start to see more and more of those come out to show that, you know, we're not as different as what we think we are. Right. Like I've seen a couple posts from both sides, you know, just basically pleading for people to understand that on the riot side where you have looting, that the lootings don't necessarily represent the, the views of all of us. It's, it's a byproduct of the anger and the frustration. I'm not going to sit here and judge anybody for the way they choose to express themselves in that situation, because I can never even think of putting myself in those shoes. Right. We saw, you know, all over the country protests two weeks after people were asked to quarantine with masks because it was trampling their freedoms. Imagine being, uh, you know, part of a, a culture where your entire life has been that form of oppression and having to deal with that and letting that rage just build and build and build. You try and do everything you're asked to do. You, you, you try to protest in ways that is deemed appropriate by both sides. And it's every time you're told, no, 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 you're, you're doing it wrong. 
and it just you keep seeing examples and examples of these things that keep happening there's no way to you know you can only delay the fuse for so long before the powder keg blows up you see the same thing on the other side where you see police officers and families of police officers making that same plea that like look we're not all bad guys my I'm worried my husband or wife or significant other, whether or not they're going to come home at night. My family member, you know, they go out and they put their lives on the line. Please, we're not all bad guys. They go out every day to prove that they're not. Totally understandable. I get that side of it as well. But if if each person wants to put themselves in the other person's shoes, if a police officer has to go out every day and try to prove to the world that they are one of the good guys, the same thing is being said about people of color all over the United States where they're coming out and having to prove that they're not one of the bad guys, because that seems to be the general perception. Obama kind of went on in, in some of that same piece and was saying aspirations have to be translated into specific laws and institutional practices. And he stressed the importance of doing things and protesting and voting. So right now we're getting the, the protesting side. And every time this happens, we kind of hope that it generates the change. And then a couple of years go by and kind of end up in this vicious loop. But it seems like this may kind of help move that along because both of those things are needed to to make any sort of social justice or, or to generate any kind of change and they exist independently of themselves now which is the biggest problem you know i, I can't speak for the the riots or any of the violence because one i haven't participated and i've never uh i would never be anything other than ignorant to assume that i have the ability to to even give my opinion in a way that really matters. I've, I've moved around a lot. I've seen a lot of things in my life. I've been in part of communities that were lower income, that were very diverse. Um, and I've seen firsthand a lot of the frustrations that are impacting that community as a whole. And the fact that this is impacting millions and millions of Americans is something that kind of gets lost on a lot of people, right? Everyone just thinks like, oh, in my community, it's not really a problem or in my state. It's not something we really have to deal with, but every time you turn on the news, and I get it, uh, media sensationalism and, and you know driving stories and clicks is going to move a lot of those stories, but it seems in recent history more the African-American community being more impacted by a lot of these things by a very, very, very large margin. So you gotta kind of got to understand where they're coming from and not even bother trying to, to, to justify it or, or, at worst, downplay any of the rage. Yeah. And and like you were saying, Tim, I think there's been so much of a movement really to sort of knee jerk and discredit. And if we're if we're looking forthright, you know, at ourselves, we've had many chances to start it and to restart this conversation, and we failed as a nation every time to hold that that conversation. I mean, we had horrific events that took place in 1921, 67 with the riot, 68 with the assassination of Dr. King, 92 with the Rodney King. Uh, you know, beings, you have the riots in LA, 1995, 2014, 2015, 2016. Uh, you know, when you look at the list of people that this has affected and you look at the violent reaction from the other side to say, well, it's because of X, Y, and Z. It's like, you, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta take a step back, right? You, you're not even just paying attention to all the flashpoints that are in between. You're looking at the whole thing. Like you said earlier, uh, people are complaining about being in their house for a couple of weeks and want to go get a haircut. It's a lot different when you take a look at the other side and realize that 400 years of oppression, like, oh, go ahead and protest the right way. Like, what does that even look like, right? You know, and we're not doing that great of a time this around either, right? So to that end, like the, all the condemnation that the folks are saying about how to protest, it, it wildly overlooks what I think we should all be doing, which is listening and learning 
and acting to bring about real change, like you know the former president said with peaceful protest and voting, right? Those are those are mm-hmm. the big two things. Instead of just paying lip service, because right now it's like the cruelest form of irony that the symbol of Colin Kaepernick kneeling to bring hindsight to the suppression was so criticized heavily in 2016, and now people are saying in 2020, like, oh, maybe that wasn't so bad. Like y- you think? Yeah, I mean it kind of shows sort of where we are, how large our blinders are when it comes to politics and especially the mingling of politics and sports, right? You start seeing making the rounds again, you know, in the last few days, all the fans who were burning their merchandise because the player on that organization decided to take a knee or to silent protest. And I think one thing that Colin Kaepernick doesn't get enough credit for, and I know this is a whole separate conversation we could, we could have on another day is, you know, when he, came out and said, and you could have all the discussions you wanted to why he was protesting or what led to that. But the fact that he felt that what he was standing and, and what that flag represented while he was standing, wasn't necessarily reflected on him and his community. Like we could question some of the attire he wore. Maybe he, you know, wasn't the most tactful when he started the process, but then when he decided to really stand up for, what he felt was right, social injustices and and violence against African-American community and things like that. He did so by just sitting, right? And then he had people come out and say, hey, look, maybe that's not the best way to do it. And the fact that he was even open to that conversation and said, hey, look, I don't want, the, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. I appreciate the service members. I appreciate what they're doing. I just don't think this stands for me. How best should I do this? And they decided taking a knee was probably... The, the best way to do that and the most respectful way to do that. And the fact that he did that knowing one, a service member told him that that was, you know, in his, I, I feel genuinely like he was trying to take the the feelings of people who have put their life on the line, what the American flag means to the general public. The fact that, you know, he may still be a proud American, but also feel that what it represents doesn't rep- represent him and being willing to make that change to say, okay, maybe this is the happy medium. Yeah. Still call attention to this. And I'm trying to do it in a respectful way. And he's still got the backlash for it. Then you have, you know, step outside the, the NFL and even the MLB, which was somewhat mum on the situation, right? They had a couple of players come out and, and, and protest in their own way. But, um, moving over to like the NBA, they really sort of took the charge and have been really leading the way for social justice for a long time. You had players coming out, making full on statements. You had players wearing attire that spoke for them, right? So if they weren't allowed to speak in front of the media about it, the whole team would show up, you know, the, I can't breathe shirts. You had high profile players doing, you had like Kobe Bryant, you had LeBron James all getting involved, showing that, you know, we're all in this together. These are the things that are, that are important to us. And they understand that the players aren't just transactions. They're not, they're not commodities, which you tend to feel in some other teams. Like when you get down to the way Jerry Jones has addressed some of his players in the protests down in Dallas. They're actually more than just what their stats may be. But they're, they're not used as a tool just to grow basketball. They are actual people who have the ability to impact both the social landscape, um, the way their communities and the way they're perceived, which is huge. It's not something you see a lot, but it, it gives them a lot of freedom to express their opinions in a way a lot of other American sports have really sort of failed at that. Um, they're not really giving players the ability to use their platform for anything 
other than self-promotion of the team and driving the economic side of things, which for, you know, U.S. sports to be dominated mostly by minorities, I feel like that's a really disingenuous way to let your players sort of represent themselves. And that's a, that's a, a light way to put it. I think we can agree. I, I think that, you know, that being said, like we, we have to come together, sports and no sports, right? Um, I, I think obviously America looks to sports as it's sort of mental relief from our issues, right? We talk about, oh my God, I just got to get to Thursday night or I just have to get to the Celtics game or I just have to make it to Sunday when I can, you know, watch my favorite sports teams at 1 p.m. or 4 p.m. or whatever. Uh, and we're overlooking the fact that the obvious stereotypes that are pushed on us, right? We, we just sort of brazenly ignore that the, the players in the field have amazing abilities to not only play the games, right, and, and to grow the sport, but those, those abilities are matched and surpassed by their devotion to equality and opportunity, not just for people in the league, but for people who have played the game before and people who will play the game in the future. So, Tim, I think when we talk about it, no, in America, in 2020, we don't just stick to sports, right? And I think in a really harsh and necessary way, America can't really avert its eyes from this conflict that's happening right now in 2020 by changing the channel or hoping that Monday Night Football is going to offer them a reprieve because it's not coming. It's not like we really, I mean, like we didn't get here overnight. What we're seeing is, you know, a very, very real representation of our country's inability just as a nation as a whole to come to grips with things that are really difficult, right? Or that require constant work to bring about change. Everyone talks about it. We've seen today, for example, everyone putting up the, you know, uh, the blackout Tuesday, right? Like I took part because I think it's a great opportunity to do a, a small part to help build awareness, whether or not that ultimately does anything as a whole. If it means something to anybody that I'm associated with, I'm here for it, right? But I think one of the things that we have to do is we, we have to bring the, the same energy to the fight even if we're not affected, that we would if it was us or someone we knew, um, but at both the local, the state, and the national level, right? It can't just be, how does this impact me and my closest friends? How does this impact the people I work with? How does this impact the people I'm watching on television? We have to think, how is this impacting everybody as a whole? Uh, otherwise, it's going to be something that we see over and and over again and actually it takes a lot of voices saying the same thing over and over before any practices or laws or anything even become considerations or make a, a change right like it, it takes everybody staying up and, and saying the same thing to help move things in a progressive fashion it's not going to happen unless we're all standing there saying the same thing as loud as possible, as often as possible, into the to the right amount of people, right? It has to be more than just whatever our social circles are. What we should be is cognizant that when white faces tell anyone else how to act, it'll be taken at a value for what it alludes to, that the civility is determined by one type of people, us trying to tell someone else how it is that they should behave or how it is that they should respond to these sort of situations, you know, for lack of a better description, whitewashes everything, right? It's, this is how we would deal with it. So this is how you should deal with it. But we don't know at all what any of that is like, like nobody does. And we saw, we can't even deal with it for two weeks, two weeks to make everything better for everyone. And we couldn't hack it. You had people showing up with rifles at their state houses, demanding reopening and, and for people to exit offices. But I mean, Everything that we fought for in the country from suffrage to integration in the military, the repeal of the 
DADT, the Civil Rights Act, it all came directly after a protest. America as a whole was built on the efforts of many. And it's those efforts uh, that we need to call upon now to try and continue to move that along. Um, I'll leave you with another quote I've seen get passed around that kind of resonates with me a little bit. Um, It's one I think that people should really take into consideration, but it's justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. I mean, we're here to listen. Uh, We're here to help any way that we can. I hope everyone tries to do the same thing. And I hope that as tragic as this scenario is, as heartbreaking as it is to sort of follow along with what's coming afterwards, both to understand the pain that everyone's going through and then as a whole, just the country and everything that everyone's going through and everything that everyone's dealing with right now to have this kind of be piled on top of it. I really hope it's not another wasted chance. I hope America kind of figure out a way to get through this. So we're here for anybody who needs us. We're here to do whatever we can. We're two white guys running a podcast about sports, making it up as we go. But if there's any way we can get involved, we're, we're definitely here for it. Definitely here for it. Yes, indeed. I think it's, it's super tough to have that conversation. There was a couple of points in there. I was like, oh, I think like we have to make it genuine, right? Like, you know, you have to say your part. And, uh, and of course, there are things that go back to the conversation we had the other day, um, classism versus racism, right? And I think yep. a lot of people kind of face one or the other, right? Yep. Uh, they're terrible things to face off against. Uh, but we, we sort of kind of look past the fact that there's an entire community in America that deals with both at the same time. Yep. And it's, it's devastating to even go through one of them. So I can't imagine what it's like to have two simultaneously for years on end. And uh, you know, p- people will get frustrated about it. People will get ticked. Yep. They'll say, Oh, whatever. They're just trying to grandstand. Like we're not, these are the things that, that we believe based off the way that we were brought up based off of yep. the social circles that we're in based on the way we see the world and based yep. on the people that we want to be in and the way we want to raise our kids and how we want to impact change. So yep. this is just a genuine human being, one human being reaching out and hoping to help influence or help in any way I can. The situation is just a whole, which is, you know, yeah, it's tough. It's yep. tough for sure. If you're still with us, uh, thanks for that. Had to take a little bit of time to, you know, address matters bigger than sports. Yeah, I, I think that uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the things that are going on in the world today. Obviously, they expect, you know, change for the things that are happening. But we also have to understand that, like, sports can only affect so much change. And sometimes it has to come from another place. And the intersection of sports and culture is so much that we can't ignore it. So we're going to go ahead and cruise right along thank you guys for listening and and we hope that it inspires something in you welcome to uh episode two of stats don't matter episode two of stats don't matter let's go all right so some things we're going to talk about today uh the mlb we talked about it last week tim uh apparently they must have been listening because all the illuminati and the mlb said we hear what tim and sam said and we're going to go ahead and just make this offer even work we're going to talk about that we're also going to get to this brand new segment one thing i really like top five right everyone has a top five top five athletes you want to have a beer with athletes you want to hear mic'd up everyone's got a top five and we're going to talk about a couple of them we're also going to discuss of course what's in our cup today and we'll round it out so why don't we get into the big ticket? 
course, that's the big sports story of the week that we like to get down in the gritty details about. This week, of course, it is the perpetual, I can't believe they said that, Major League Baseball drama. Tim, talk to me about the reopening. Uh, so the both the league, the owners, and the players have all been going back and forth, passing around what their proposals are and their counterproposals. Uh, it's just been playing out like uh, courtroom drama. It's been a little bit all over the place. Uh, it seems that behind closed doors, the teams might be the teams and the owners might be a little closer than what some of these leaks represent, but there are still some things that they are very far apart. The recent proposal was 114 games on the player's behalf. They decided, or the owners have decided that they're only willing to pay for 50 games uh, at the prorated salary, which isn't if you're, not, if, wild. If, you're, if you're counting, and I know stats don't matter, but if you're counting, that's not a, even close to 114 games. I think that the last proposal was 82 games and they weren't willing to pay for the, the full run of that. Uh, if I had to guess, it'll probably land somewhere in around like the 60 to 70 games, 75 at most. Uh, the interesting part, though, is if teams can actually opt out of playing at all, if they don't feel either safe uh, or whatever reasons they want to come up to justify it, they can opt out. Uh, and despite all the back and forth, it only takes about eight teams plus Paul in to come out and say, look, we're out, we're not going to do it. It actually shuts the whole thing down. Right, because the way votes wording votes work with a collective bargaining agreement, uh, there just wouldn't be enough to to move anything forward. So it would just shut down no matter what. Um, and a lot of teams are actually looking at that from an an economic standpoint to see whether or not playing any type of baseball right now with no fans in the in the stands is at all economical, right? If it's something that they're just going to lose money on, despite what they do or how many games they play, is the revenue going to be there? And if they move to open up stadiums, can they sort of stretch some of these ticket prices to help cover some of the the lost revenue? Um, And then what this sets up going into next year, which I'll get into in a second. Um, They're still working on like revenue splits. Who's going to get what, um, it was 50-50. I think that may end up being ultimately close to where they land on. Um, it's also causing some restructuring of the divisions for this season where you're going to have three divisions. It'll be uh, AL and NL East, AL and NL West, and uh, Central Divisions both combined, and you only end up playing those teams, which then lead into a 14-team playoff, right? All sounds great. It's meant to cut down travel so you're not flying. Most teams can just bus wherever they need to go. So you're limiting exposure, you're limiting travel costs and things like that. Players came back with some of their own stipulations that uh, also seem uh, a little bit of a stretch for owners to agree on. Um, Max Scherzer, for example, was asking for all of the numbers and the documentation to show this huge revenue loss that all these teams are talking about so that they could, so that the players union can actually understand what it is they're trying to represent. Um, because I think a lot of players aren't necessarily buying it. Um, a couple of things he suggested was uh, a couple of players came out or, or the players union came out and uh, a lot of the players are in support of payroll deferment 
where they would defer their salaries or whatever the prorated salaries would be for the season. However, it's with interest, right? If you factor in the average salary in the MLB for 2019 was $4.4 if interest is just 3%, obviously you can structure it any way you want. Um, but if it's just take 3% of whatever that is, uh, you're still looking at $132,000 per player uh, on average. And obviously that's going to be a sliding scale. There's plenty of players that are making less than plenty that will make more, but that is a ton of money that you weren't expecting to have on your books that then goes into next season tacked on on top of all the revenue loss from ticket sales and and all that sort of stuff so i don't i don't imagine owners really liking that idea and then i think the other sort of sticking point that owners are gonna have a hard time with is players can actually opt out right there's two ways you can opt out just say i don't want to play i'm done um but in doing so you forfeit that salary for the year you get it unpaid. You still have access to all of the MLB services, so medical training, all that sort of stuff. But you for you forego your salary for that year. Um, if you are at risk or you live with someone who's at risk, you can take uh, almost like a medical exemption and opt out, and you actually get paid your regular salary um, plus all the regular MLB services. But the interesting part is that both of those scenarios count towards your service time. Right. So if you're a player who's in the last year of your contract and you decide to opt out, I'm not saying that anybody will, but if somebody were to claim medical exemption or could prove that they didn't need to be there and decided to spend that year maybe rehabbing, you go into free agency going into the next season. So that leaves that leaves a little uh up in the air that I think owners might be a little bit uneasy about right you're losing a year off of your player's contract you may potentially have to pay them um what do you get on a return so i think most i think most owners or not most i think a lot of them are going to end up if that ends up being sort of some of the sticking points for the players just mail it in this season and saying no it's a wash right it's just not financially worth it yeah and it's like it's weird right i was just saying earlier it's almost like Clearly, they were listening to our podcast because I said 82 games, and they, and they knew when I said that yep. they were going to go like, oh, my God, we might actually play 82 games. So that's why they, they counted with 50. I, I can't yes. stop Rob Manfred from doing that. But, uh, you know, obviously the big thing I think with baseball is like you, you talked about earlier, it, it's a seasonal uh, – really like it, it really identifies with the season as, as far as the sport, right? Yep. It's really big seasonal sport. That's what I mean to say. So we want to have baseball on Memorial Day. We want to have baseball on Labor Day. We want to have playoff baseball in October. Yep. We don't want to be watching playoff baseball in January. We already talked about how the, you know, the NFL and some of their leagues are, are just trying to rush yep. and get as, as many games as possible. We're, we're pushing all of those schedules back. Yep. Do I really want to watch a whole bunch of major league baseball that takes place in Arizona or Florida in January? No, yeah, yeah. not really. So are they going to mail it in? I don't know. To, to me, Tim, this sort of feels like a two part episode of like uh, days of our lives. Where like you know the MLB just put this proposal on the table and then we cut, yep. And you know like the Price is Right or the, or the the Daily News is on and then we have to wait to yep. the next day or the next week to cite you know to see the second episode because yeah. the drama between the MLB and the players union is uh, unbelievable. I mean, like, how does how does the league not have a contingency plan? COVID uh, or no COVID, you know I, what I mean? It, it, it's tough because I can't imagine with the money that they're throwing around how you could really sort of plan for that. You know what I mean? Like. um 
how do you say, okay, let's make sure we save enough money on our books to pay for an entire season where we have no fan revenue. Like that would be, that would be tough, but you're right. There should be some form of, of policy that's, that's in place. Cause some, some of the ideas that are coming out are, are insane, right? They mm-hmm. want to try and find ways to, yeah, they are. to pull revenue from anywhere they can. So they're actually suggesting like a home run derby and an all-star game after the season, which would put baseball into December, January ish. Um, I mean, you're now just a few months out from your season opener next season. Like, who, who the hell wants to watch baseball in January? Right, you're yeah. f- you're freezing inside in most of the country, uh, <laughs> watching a spring sport be played inside of a dome. I mean, nah, that's football season is cold. Baseball season is sweating in the outfield, drinking overpriced beers and a million dollar hot dogs like that's yeah. that's baseball to me it's not no, no. i'm gonna tell you too when you talked about stretching the tickets i could just think of you know that seat of like you know in the standing room only on the monster where it's just yeah like, look it used to be 93 but now it's 393 right yeah uh. <laughs> yeah like what's the elasticity of the the ticket i mean i tickets are already very expensive my dad yeah, is a diehard uh Sox fan and i he hasn't gone to a single game that I haven't gotten him tickets for because he's too cheap to spend the amount of money because he grew up in Boston and remembered when tickets were like $5. <laughs> if only, yeah. if only. Yeah. If only. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tim, if you thought that the major league baseball season drama was going to be enough, boy, do I got something in the spinoff alternate Marvel cinematic universe of drama for you. And it's yeah. the minor league, right? So not only did the major league uh, baseball as a whole, just decide to double down and say, these are the games we're going to play. Here are the options you're going to have. You might be able to opt out. But at the same time, they were talking to the minor league, and they were saying, listen, it's a take-it-or-leave-it kind of scenario. Yep. Oh, and by the way, here's a proposal to cut 40 teams from next year. Yeah. And Sports Illustrated had it. You know, The MLB said in a statement that it looks forward to continuing our discussion about how we can jointly modernize player development and continue to have baseball in every community where it's currently being played. This is what they said after they talked about cutting 40 teams. And in formal talks, the parties have really discussed the possibility of a radical overhaul, which would take many of the duties of the National, National Association of Professional Baseball away, right? Right now, the leagues and the minor league governing body, um, someone else who is familiar with it said, instead of franchise affiliations, there would be like licensing agreements, sort of like similar to those of hotel chains, right? Mm-hmm. And the, ML, the MLB would sell them sponsorship, licensing rights, and media rights, which is a switch that could lead to decreased overheads and more revenue. So less risk, more reward. And I just got to say, Tim, I don't like the thought of minor league baseball being akin to Papa John's, right? It's, it's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not a franchise. It's not a chain. You, you know, I understand that people want to make money by owning yeah. teams, right? Yep. And there's a very select few that can. But – I mean, obviously, we're both from Maine. You've probably seen some Portland Sea Dogs games. Yeah. Farm Love teams – yeah, farm teams are essential to the minor yep. leagues. Um, Especially in organizations like the Red Sox, right, if that's where we're at, because a lot of the talent that's come up through that organization was homegrown. Like, when I lived in Maine, um, you had players that came through there, like um, Dustin Pedroia, Kevin Euclid. Like, you had some big-name players – Jacoby Ellsbury was there. Yeah. Like I ran into totally. him in a, in a sports bar. Um, 
I mean, he had a lot of those guys, uh, what's it, Hanley played mm-hmm. uh, while I lived there. And, like, we used to go and see those guys all over town. But they literally filter those guys into the system because the Sea Dogs is a great team. The same thing with, with Pawtucket. Um, it would be weird if they went the direction of franchising because I think you would end up seeing – I think – I could be wrong, but I think the NBA in their development league is very similar where teams are, are, are almost sponsored. Uh, I know, I know MLB teams now sponsor minor league teams. That's why the Sea Dogs is an affiliate to the, to the Red Sox, but right. the main Red Claws, for example, the, the, the development league, um, it's actually owned by two teams. So those players aren't necessarily, and I'm, I'm sure they have a way of breaking down who is, you know, the whole privy to what to what team but it's still a very weird thing where like i like going to Sox games because i want to see who might be the next Sox player or who we might use for trade value uh in the coming seasons um when you start seeing that and they start mingling players because they're property of the mlb and not necessarily the property of an organization you may start seeing that and you don't necessarily know you know, their jersey colors may be affiliated with a, a, a major league team. I would need to get some some further sort of understanding as to how they plan on doing that. If it's strictly a financial perspective, yep, you're part of the Red Sox, but you're sponsored by the MLB. Okay. If it's, okay, you're no longer associated with anybody but the MLB and you're this XYZ team and now your players are sort of our property, nah. Yeah. Hard pass. It, it just seems like as many things the MLB seems to be doing these days, their ideas are sort of half-baked and they're putting some frosting on top of it and they're going, hey, happy birthday. And you're like, that's the worst cake I've ever seen in my life. I definitely won't eat it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You take a look at their, the economic impact, right? 40 cities are going to lose their minor league teams, right? Yeah. Now, we'll go back to the, uh, the Portland Sea Dogs, for example, right? There's a stadium. It's downtown, right? Yep. Uh, there's a lot to do. <laughs> yep. with that stadium, right? There's a lot of job opportunities. People's, people's lives and their careers are, are staked out on having that presence there. And I, I just I, I cannot believe that the MLB is like, we're going to take 40 cities off the top. Why, you know, I think this is a conversation we could probably explain at a, at a later point in time, but Major League Baseball as a whole needs to modernize and it needs to go through its own yes. internal revolution. And I think yeah. what, what MLB is doing right now is they're saying, listen, we looked at the books we're getting by and we're, we're getting one to 2% profits. And we really think we should be getting 10 to 15 or 20 plus like that's great for you. But I think that they're obviously overlooking the fact that the minor leagues are literally their lifeline. Yeah. Right. Uh, Take a look at Kyler Murray, for example, the, the MLB has kind of failed recently in the last few years to court that kind of talent that comes from college Mm -hmm. to go to the major leagues because there's limits on what they can pay them. And then, yep. oh, hey, you're going to play some games, but you're going to go right down to the farm teams and you're going to spend some time there. Oh, and if you really kind of make it through arbitration, you might get a big Mike Trout or Bryce Harper payday in six yep. to seven years. Yep. That, that, that just doesn't compute when you have NFL players that if they're drafted in the first couple of rounds are making millions of dollars. And even if they're not, by the end of their third or fourth year, if they've outplayed their contract, they're going to make millions of dollars where a person in the minor leagues might never make that. So. Yep you're constantly relying on the people in the minor leagues love of the game to mm-hmm. get them to what seven years of yeah. traveling all over America and playing in front of these stadiums. Like it, 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 it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And I know people who 
I've like, I personally know people like my father-in-law who considered trying to pursue a career in baseball, who had to take a solid look and say, okay, this is what life looks like as a minor league player living in essentially foster homes during the season where you're staying on someone's couch or whatever spare room they have making, you know, minimum wage, paying for your own food, paying for everything. And it's, okay, how many years are you willing to do that? Or you just spend a couple of years and find an actual career in doing oh, that. Yeah. So I know people like that sort of pass up on it. And it's like they pick a lot of those like entry level contracts into the MLB. Like if you get called up for a season is, you know, I say only, but it's like $150,000. I think it's, 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 somewhere around. it's a lot of money to them. It, it's a ton of money to them, but. How much of your expenses are you on the hook for as a, right. as someone who's coming into the league, right? Like you moving, yeah, moving constantly. You're going to get traded because you're trade fodder. If you're anyone decent, if you're decent enough to get called up a couple times during the season, you're decent enough to be, you know, tacked in whenever a trade happens. So it's it's brutal. You hate, you kind of hate to see it. I know there's a lot of smaller teams, and I think I think one of the things they may have is too many minor league teams because you have multiple divisions of minor leagues like it's almost like college football once you get beyond the the pro level and then you throw in weird leagues like the cape cod league and things like that um like i've been fortunate enough to live in places where coincidentally the minor league teams have been for the team i root for right i lived in california and lived in a small place called rosamond which nobody would ever know unless you've seen captain marvel because it happens to be on a sign fantastic you know, movie by the way yeah Shout or out. or if you know edwards air force base which is a yep. huge air force base out there you literally drive for a half a second blinking you through rosamond uh, but the town over lancaster had a minor league team called the jethawks and I think they may be affiliated with maybe the twins now or, or, but they spent a long period of their time associated with the Red Sox. So that's three teams for one major league team. You have, you know, the Lancaster Jetthawks, you have Pawtucket, you have the Portland Sea Dogs, and I'm sure there's a smattering of others that are all over the place. So maybe there are too many. Maybe that's a discussion to explore. Something, yeah. something worth maybe that's why they're choosing to cut it just to play devil's advocate but i'll it, tell you what though i mean you've been to some Dogs games so you know what i'm about to say but if you've ever had one of those ice cream sundays in a little plastic <laughs> baseball helmet <laughs> that is a definitive part of my youth so if the mlb personally decides that they're going to cut the teams and they say hey thank you for your service portland sea dogs we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and ask you if i find out they're one of the teams i'm tweeting at manfred every single day and saying save the Seahawks I'll do yeah. whatever I need to do because nine-year-old me 10-year-old me 11-year-old me going to those games uh seeing future Red Sox stars and yep. having uh, an ice cream sundae with a little cherry on top and then you, it's a souvenir you keep it it was it's a wild thing right anyways yeah yep, yep. I'm, I'm looking I'm looking right now just so that we know just so that we can see what we're looking at the Red Sox too early yeah the Red Sox have one Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight minor league teams. Oh my goodness! Four rookie, rookie league, Class A short season, Class A, Class A advanced, Double A, and Triple A. 
That's a lot of teams. That is a lot lot of players. But I'm not going to see the MLB side on this. No, not this time, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not all bad, though, right? Um, Obviously, you know, people are affected with the seasons being, you know, shortened and their salaries, you know, we've talked about it, right, on on the podcast, sliding scales. Uh, David Price, actually, you know, in the blockbuster trade from the Sox to the, uh, the Dodgers, he actually, you know, according to a team spokesperson, he's giving $1,000 to each of their 220 minor leaguers uh, as a goodwill gesture for this month. And that's in, in addition to the $400 a week that they're going to earn anyways. Uh, now, I know what you're thinking. Maybe some of you guys listening, you're going, oh, my God, it's $20,000. That's $220,000. That's that's a sizable yeah. amount of money for anyone to sort of give up, even if you're a, you know, yeah. a big ticket money player or not. So uh, there are some signs of life within, you know, the league as a whole that are sort of using their power, whether it's the players, you know, union and coalition or mm-hmm. through their own, you know, pocketbooks to go ahead and, and sort of save the sport because we understand that the minor leagues are very, very important. Um, but I think a long time ago, major league baseball probably thought to themselves, we can make a lot of money and here's how we do it. And they probably grew too fast, too soon. And, and now they're thinking, all right, we have to go ahead and reverse course. and We've got to sort of head balance the checkbooks, but they're not really taking into account like how much of a devastating effect that's going to have on the Jedhawks, on a team like the Sea Dogs, you know, on a team like the, you know, Pawtucket. Yep. It's just not the same. Yeah. We're already going to suffer. Like, so the Sea Dogs estimated revenue every year is around like $18 million, give or take. Um, how much of that is going to get wiped out in one season and how long does it take to recover some of that? So you're yeah. really hoping the MLB steps up and, you know, maybe delivers their own relief package. <laughs> well, we'd have to wait for the next season because obviously this season the MLB cliffhangered and the, the, the next season is not available on Netflix yet. So we'll have to, we'll have to see what uh, the MLB That's right. comes up with next. All right, Tim, we're going to have to go ahead and just talk about it. Everyone has these lists, right? We all talk about, all right, top 10, who's the GOAT? MJ, LeBron, who's the best quarterback? Is it Brady? Is it, is it one of the Mannings? Joke. Is it uh, Joe Flacco? You know what I mean? Is, who's, yeah. this, who's the best tennis player, right? We all love lists. We, we really do. Now, the great thing is that 10 is too much, and five seems just right if we're Goldilocks bearing it, okay? So right. on today's episode of Top 5, what we're going to do is we're going to start out with, obviously, yeah, we like, we like beer, right? So there's got to be some athletes that you probably want to drink a beer with. So who are they? I think you and I could probably agree on most of these five. I cheated and saw your list, and I think, oh. uh, I think we got a lot of the same ones. Um, got to go Tom Brady, but not for the reason you would expect, not because my shirt says Boston on it, um, <laughs> but because I think – with a level of success over a long period of time that instantly makes that person more interesting than most people you could probably sit and have a conversation with and just sort of the mystique around him. But have you seen that man chug a beer? Like no, I, I need, to, <laughs> I need to know if that here's the, the counter take to that. I'm willing to bet he's also a pretty big lightweight. He could put down a beer in about four seconds, but I bet he feels those now because all he's eating is avocado ice cream and, <laughs> you know, avoiding nightshade vegetables. So he's probably hungry all the time. And we know, so what, we know how that gets. So what you're saying is you want to go to one of the, one of the NFL's biggest stars and you yeah. want to challenge him to a chug off guessing that he'll win the first two rounds, but you'll win the back nine, right? That, that's essentially what you're saying. 
Uh, I would hope so, um, but I'm 37 and I can't hang anymore like I used to. So I think it would just be a messy situation. Who knows? Who but, knows? I, I got to tell you, I, I would let him chug. I'd let him win the first like three rounds. And then yeah. I would just sort of slide on over next to him and say, hey, Tom, let's talk about uh, 2015, February. Yeah. Second and goal, 26 seconds to go. You know you were going to lose that game, right? And I would just look him straight in the face. I don't need to, I, I don't need to find out about the tuck rule. I don't care about that. It doesn't affect me. What affects me, what affects me really is Super Bowl 49. I'm just going to lean over yeah. and go. Kind of like how uh, Vin Diesel did in the first uh, Fast and Furious when you yeah. know, Paul Walker was like, dude, I almost had you. And he's like, you never had your car. I would have like gone, Tom, you know you're going to lose that game, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, need, I just need you to say it just so I can sleep at night. I mean, you saw it on his face. <laughs> <You know> but... <laughs> yeah. 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 Indeed. Uh, so – Obviously, so you've seen my list, you cheated, which coming from a Patriots fan doesn't seem too far-fetched, but we'll just go ahead and, and keep on Man, pushing. We're Oof. keeping on. We're keeping on. Uh, there was no rules against this last week? There was none. And going forward, maybe we'll have to institute <laughs> some gentleman rules. But Tiger Woods, you got to have a beer with Tiger Woods. I think yeah. we talked about the match last week and how it looked like he's coming back. Um, whether he wants to chase the number of records or not, I – and, and not in light of everything that's going on either, but I, I really want to know how someone gets into the sport and sort of deals with having that demigod status mm. and just sort of racks off these wins. And then their life sort of like gets thrown into the washing machine and yep. they kind of get spit out and he's, he's still trying to come back and you know, with the injuries, with everything else yep. that he's gone through, it would be fascinating to have a beer with him and just like hear his side of it. Because I think what we've all, kind of just had washed over us time and time again is what everyone else wants to report, which of course are the juicy details and the things that sell, you know, copies and get clicks. Yep. And I think, uh, one of the things you've seen with him over the last few years is, you know, as part of his own redemption tour, I don't know if he's just sort of changed as a human, but he seems to have opened up quite a bit. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the app, uh, Instagram, uh but <laughs> i have yes uh he gets Handle is smiffer 511 follow me ah <laughs> uh, yes yes uh timmy underscore cronin um yeah if you look through some of his sponsorship sites the level of involvement that he has in helping grow the game now has been really impressive there's a lot of videos you see now of him out uh with other members from the tour Dustin Johnson, um, Jason Day, a lot of those guys go to him for advice and they've actually recorded a lot of those. And it seems to be very much like mentor, mentor E, even though when they play together on Sunday, you know, he's lost to a lot of those guys in recent years. It's still cool to see that sort of the way things look. Because um, years ago, it always seemed he was very cold shouldered, right? Unless he was doing really well on like a Friday, maybe into a Saturday. Uh, not even really a Saturday, but like Thursday and Friday, you might see him make a couple jokes, but on moving day, he got a little bit more serious. And then Sunday it was like dialed in tiger to see him kind of open up a little bit, make the game a little bit more accessible, um, help get his knowledge out. I think that alone would be worth the conversation. Like what turn what that transition was, where he thinks he's going, how long he might play. Uh, just seems like, you know, despite, the, the the markings yeah yep. yeah the markings on his uh his social life early on uh he generally seems to have evolved into a, a pretty decent guy yeah 
And I think if you're going to talk about either like other like bigger than life sports figures, I mean, Big Poppy, obviously I'm going to be a homer here. Uh, I, not because I think I could out drink him because I think I would lose horribly, yeah. but I yeah. just think that it would be so uh, just awe inspiring to, to get a, a couple beers with a guy that's been such a pivotal part of Boston sports history. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that would just be unbelievable. Um, and you probably saw some of the Saturday night live, uh, you know, spoofs that Keenan Thompson did. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just, you know, he talks about all the food he wants to eat. I, we're going to have some beers, but I, I definitely, I want the food as well. Cause I think yeah. that's the only way I'm going to be able to keep up drinking beers at any rate with big poppy. Yeah. Um, stick with baseball. I think Mike Trout would be another good one. Like, Ooh. you know, if people haven't paid, who's going to pay for that beer, Mike Trout, obviously, cause he has a contract. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Although I got to go in and, and, you know, when the bill comes out, you got to go for the wallet. Like, oh, no, no, you got this? Just wait a second, just so you don't look like you're really mooching, you know? Um, I've never pulled that move more than once. Um, but Mike Trout seems like, you know, you got to talk to him a little bit. You know, it's not polite to talk about money, everybody. But yeah. it'd be nice to know what it would be like to be the person who just signed a record breaking contract um love to talk about the things he would change about his career see if he can't get a couple beers and get some of the dirt just whether or not uh, he thinks he would have more success on another team yeah wink wink nudge nudge boston <laughs> um but i think it's just in general uh he's probably the greatest baseball player on any roster right now he's probably the ba- greatest baseball player on any team in the last 20 years um but i think one he seems like a genuine guy two he uh at least visually gives the appearance that he would enjoy a few beers that could be way off base maybe he's totally sober i don't know uh but he looks like he knows how to put a put a couple four packs down um but i think just keeping with the the success conversation i'm a big baseball guy so it'd be great to pick someone's brain like that oh yeah for sure I mean, i'm not gonna lie that after a couple i would probably be like come on have you ever signed stolen <laughs> just, <laughs> just admit it right <laughs> like what am i supposed to be looking for tell me so when i watch the games i go oh you stealing a sign yes yes Who me that mike trout blink blink twice blink twice if you've ever stolen a sign yeah 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 pretty much yeah, yeah. That, that would just that would be something that would be something crazy yeah i, I think of course one of the last few on this list. I'm going to go ahead and break the rules because stats don't matter. So now they do rules, but uh, we're going to have to have a two for here, mm-hmm. right? We've already begun exploratory conversations about who the goat is going to be. And of course, you mm-hmm. know, spoiler alert, that will be in a future episode. Uh, I need LeBron and MJ at the same table. Mm. And I need, I need a pitcher of probably the lowest quality grade beer. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's got to be like a Miller Light or a Bud Light, but I'm just saying I need a big pitcher of beer. The four of us at that table, and I don't even have to ask who they think is the goat. What I need to know from the top is, hey, uh, Michael. So LeBron is in Space Jam too. Did you sign off on that? Like, <laughs> I, I just, I just want to see. I know what I want to do, right? Like in the height of conversation when we're talking about sports, culture, how basketball's grown shoe deals, all of those things. And then, of course, we would have to you know, speak about LeBron's uh, academy in Ohio and, and the things that he's doing yep. uh, to, to affect social change. I might ask MJ for like a pair of shoes or two, like, you know, 
See, you're 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 nicer than I am. I would be there totally to try and be the instigator. Oh, I'd be like, oh yeah, because you know, in front of camera, you might never get I, the chance again, right? Yeah, because when everybody's around, you know, it's oh, you know, no, I learned everything I did from him, and MJ's like, oh, he's a great player. I could see him taking us far. I'd be the guy and be like, hey, uh, <laughs> MJ, you know he. He's beat most of your stats so far. What are your thoughts on that? Are you coming back, MJ? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, LeBron, how does it feel to have maybe half as many championships as the guy across the table from you, Ooh. but be compared constantly? Do you feel oh, yeah. that? Do you feel, I just go full Zach Galifianakis and yep. just troll All both the two of them yep. until I get them talking about it, and then I can just sit back and casually watch? I tell you what it would do, though, right? So you, you get him the whole Zach Galifianakis thing, and they start talking. I would I would excuse myself from the table, like say I had to like you know go to the, use the restroom or whatever. I'd find the you know the the uh, the waiter or the waitress, and I'd be like, I got the tab. They're gonna try, but I got the tab. Yeah. Uh, you know, just so that like when they're like, all right, cool, we're done. Like, hey, can I get the tab? And then that wait the wait staff could say, yeah, it's already been settled by Mr. Smith. And then they'll be like, what? And I'll be like, hey, I I got you an Uber too. It's outside. I don't really have a lot of money, but I I went in and did what I could. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. For someone who has a lifetime contract with Nike and the other person who has a shoe empire, to yeah. be able to buy a nine dollar pitcher of beer would probably be like in my sports Valhalla moments. You know, I would probably mm. just feel like that's a story I could tell my kids one day and they'd be like, dad, that's a lie. And I would go, but it's not. And right. I have the receipt. <laughs> I do have to say it'd be a very slippery slope because LeBron is a wine connoisseur. Right? Yeah, if I know. See, we, if you need that's a shot, what I'm saying. We have move. to like, <laughs> I'm here for a beer, then I got to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's part of the deal. You, you got to get it. Or be like, oh, LeBron, I didn't know where this 1989 Bordeaux came from. I, it's $4,000. I don't, I don't know who paid for that, but. We're just not gonna yeah. let it go to waste, right? Yeah. And then you know, MJ has those like super long like cigars. I'd be like, "What? What is in that thing?" Like when you get halfway through, or you're just like, oh, "Well, halfway there." Like I'm the goat. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the court, and I'll I'm the here a few more hours. Cigar. Yeah, <laughs> I try so hard every time I golf. I'm like, I'm gonna have a cigar and enjoy it. And every single time, by the time I'm done with it, I'm like, I feel like complete yeah. dog shit. Like this yeah. is terrible. Like I need to stop <laughs> what I'm doing right now, and I need to drink some water and stop doing this <laughs> so you have you have to pair the cigar with the type of, of alcohol right so if it's like a really really good cigar you got to pair it with like a really really good scotch or whiskey and if it's like you know, like a garcia you know vega or black and mild like you have to have like a old english 40 that goes with it like you know what i mean like we're talking about food and beer pairing all the time let's talk about cigar and beer. <laughs> you know what i mean like it, it's it's yeah. consummate quality yeah 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 so we could talk about that all day, but I think one of the other top fives that we really should pay attention to is that Deshaun Jackson Rissy came out and said that if they're not going to have fans in the stands, that he wants the players mic'd up to hear the trash talking. And I am here for this. I, tell me your thoughts. Uh, are we going all time? We're we going current players. Why not? We can break the rules. Let's do both. I think. Um. Yeah, I think I would have to go Kobe Bryant. Also, um, I know that's one. I think we we both agree on. He was a trash talker. Uh, he was phenomenal at the game. I think MJ would be great, but I would hate to ruin the perfect vision of this man that the last dance tried to take from me anymore by mic'ing him up. Yeah, um, he'd say something and you'd be like, flu game, what up? I know it's fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I think 
I think Kobe came in at a time where he was still learning from someone like MJ and paving his own way, playing with guys like Shaquille O'Neal and sort of the longevity of his career. It'd be very cool to have him mic'd up for a couple games just to kind of hear his perspective. I'd, I'd love to know if he was more trash talk or more here's some playful advice. That'd be yeah. Cool. I, I think they're, you know, after – Kobe's death there was a lot of stories that came out and I think one that stuck with me was when um, the Olympic team I think it was in 2012 um, or yeah it was either 2012 or the one before it but like LeBron was on that team Kobe's on that yep. team and um, you know there was a there was an agreement they would meet in a lobby at a certain time uh, to get breakfast right so they they all kind of sleep in a little bit and they mosey on down to the lobby to get breakfast and Kobe's already there eating and his knees are iced up Cause he's already been practicing for like a couple hours and he just looks at everyone and was like, what's up? Like you guys just didn't want to shoot this morning. <laughs> and you know, everyone there was like, Oh, you're right. Like this is the Olympics. Like, even though we think we're better than everyone in the rest of the world, like we probably should practice. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was yeah. this guy, like they come to breakfast and this guy's knees are already iced up. And he's like, am I the only one who takes this, like this stuff seriously? Like, okay. You, you know what I mean? Like th- that is like the ultimate level of trash talk when you can like say something and there is no comeback for it. And I think if you talk about a player like Kobe Bryant that's doing that, Richard Sherman has to come in that conversation. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of people remember him for the You Mad Bro game against yeah. Tom Brady, which if you want to watch the game, it's available on NFL Game Pass. Uh, I was actually overseas when that game happened, uh, and we were with uh, some contingent of people from the Pacific Northwest from Oregon. And the next day, the people from Oregon, the people from Maine were just not talking to each other <laughs> because of the way the game ended, you know. Seattle winning by, you know, one point off the last second touchdown. Justin Russ, we trust. It was just fantastic. But there was so much yapping from Richard that game. And I think that was probably the game that, like, catapulted him, you know, as far as his trash talking up. But he was always like that. Uh, And and even today he's like that. And I I just – I think just to have it on him, uh, you know, a mic on him and just hearing him talk, like, he would would run a route against a wide receiver and then say, you know your release was trash, right? Like, you should have come this way and you would have got me. Like, I watched enough film on you to know that you could have done that, but you didn't. So, better luck yeah. next time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's sort of dressing you down where by the end of it, you're just kind of like, do I even want to play this game anymore? Like, that, that's, that's the type of trash talk Richard Sherman does. He's not just saying something to bait you. He's, like, trying to not only pierce your armor, but then to go ahead and just make you want to walk away. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, you know, historically viewed as a very intelligent player. You know, both from his colleagues, from media. Uh, I'm like a great president of the Players Association some some year down the road. Coming back from a torn Achilles? Is that what he had? That's unbelievable. Amazing, right? You can never say that any of those players from the Legion of Boom never, like, put their bodies in the line. The Legion of Boom. That Thursday night game where he tore his Achilles was, was, was painful to watch. Not, yeah. not because it ended in a 6-6 tie, but because it effectively ended his career in Seattle. Yeah. And that, oh, yeah. no, I'm going to get to my feelings about that. So, no no Drake in for now. But All right. Deal. 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 <laughs> uh, I think next you got to go with Deshaun Jackson because it was mm. his, his it's idea. It's his idea. Yeah. Um, one of the best returners in the game. I still remember vividly every time I picture a returner, uh, him – charging downfield weaving in between and he has that towel he keeps off of his hip and you can always tell when he's about to go for one because that towel goes from like slowly bouncing around on his side to straight out like a tail 
Every yeah. time you see that, you're like, oh, we're here to see something. This is this is going to be special. I mean, I think uh, Devin Hester would probably have something to say about who's the better returner. But, you know, yeah, 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 we'll yeah. give you that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Longevity. Yeah. Over time. How's that? Well, and Deshaun's still in the league. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, I, I'd probably say, you know, rounding it out here, we, you know, we talked earlier about Kobe Bryant. I think that Russell Westbrook – because just the way that he spouts off at people in the game, yeah. <laughs> whether they're refs, opposing coaches, fans, I, I need a microphone on that guy. Because some of his post-game press conferences, when they ask him the craziest question, and he goes, what? <laughs> like, yeah. you, you know that like he, he didn't just react to that question like that. That is probably a product of him dealing with a whole bunch of really substandard stuff the entire game, and he just had enough of it. So that's how he yeah. says it. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? This is crazy. But I bet – just in the same way that Richard Sherman will talk about like the way a guy broke off his route and how he missed an opportunity. I bet, I bet Russell could just break down man versus zone and just tell someone, listen, dude, I've watched all your tape and I know there's no way you can handle me one-on-one, which yeah. is why you had to call a double team over. And guess yeah. what? I still beat you. And then he would probably just go and just fade out, shoot another three. Those types of guys, right. Are the, the players that everyone else, looks forward to playing because they think, oh, if I can amass any tape of me getting a point or a juke on Russell Westbrook, whether Russell Westbrook had an off night or what, <laughs> they think that lends to their like credibility immediately. And, you know, it's got to be tough to have a constant stream of players constantly nipping at your heels thinking that like they're your number one target. Yeah. Do you, I, I got to hear what Russ has got to say about that. Do you, do you think we would overhear him talking to his team about uh, rebounding every ball to pat his stats? <laughs> <laughs> y'all know i'm trying to be mvp right yeah you know i'm one triple double short you better go ahead and pass it back i think so that would be an nf and you know an nba conspiracy video i might i might i might watch on twitter i might watch some youtube videos to think about whether or not that was the reality the one one honorable mention that we can't leave off the list is literally anybody in the Browns organization, like a sideline attendant. It's gotta be. It's the, gotta be the the water boys, the ball boys, the uh, sorry sorry the the hydration assistant. Yes, there you go. Uh, That's official name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anybody in that dumpster fire of an organization, just to hear what the frustrations might be like from their sort of off the wall play calling, which seems more like a pop quiz every time to just all of it. Like yeah. I need to, I need to hear it all from somebody who's not going to try and filter them. I don't even need to hear the person talk. I just want to be piped into their headset so yeah. I can hear what's being said around them. Oh, like, for sure. Right. I think that um, obviously hard knocks gave us a, a really, really probably too deep look into how dysfunctional the organization is. Uh, and of course, the organization before it, uh, the Houston Texans, not a very good season as well. Um, <laughs> but the, no team that has so many consensus, like top five picks, really should continue to perpetuate, you know, you know, south of 500. And I, I do think, obviously, we talked about it before, the AFC North is not the same division it used to be. It's definitely a lot tougher now. Yep. Uh, but I – I just can't believe that there was an RV with the quarterbacks and there wasn't some stuff that was said in that thing that didn't make it to hard knocks. And there wasn't some stuff on the field that the coordinators didn't argue about that we didn't see. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just need someone inside the Browns organization. It's sort of like how all the new head coaches, like if they've even had coffee with Sean McVay before they get a job offer, yeah. I, I would literally put an ad in Craigslist and I would say, 
have you worked for the Cleveland Browns from the year 2000 to the year 2019? If so, please answer. I'm not going to ask what your role was. Yeah. I just want you to tell me like, what it's <laughs> and the, like. And I would pay for their beer. Yeah. And the fact that we're listening, or we're basically witness, witnessing a potential like Johnny Menzel too. go on in Cleveland right now. I, you're, you're so low on him, but you know, I think we'll give it one more season. We'll give a, it's for me and the same thing. I think with Manziel, it was the, I think you can't have the off field antics without the performance on the field. Like if you're just an idiot off the field and whatever you check, I mean, Gronkowski is one of those, right? Like seems like a nice enough guy, but you know, he likes to party and we've seen on live television, the crazy things that he does. But when football when it's time for him to, you know, stand on that line and make a play, he shows up pretty much every single time and puts his body in the line. I think Menzel fell off of that a lot sooner because he had more off the field stuff happen. I think Baker coming into I'm feeling dangerous. It's like, come on, dude. He beat the Falcons. A lot of people like couldn't beat the Falcons. He beat the Falcons. Yeah. But listen. Listen, yeah. listen, listen, Linda, listen, okay? <laughs> what, yeah. what we're seeing right now is a guy that was the number one pick. He's had mm-hmm. all these different coordinators and different coaches, right? It's, it must be hard when the offense is always changing. Like, you're going to get a handle on something, and it's going to change. Let's give it a third year, and then you can put all the Browns hate out that you want if they're still bad I, in perpetuity. I haven't, right I, haven't, now, I haven't written them off completely. I haven't well, written them off completely. Uh, for anyone who's listening, go about that little back 15 seconds on the Spotify or the, or the, the Apple Music app. Hit it about three times and you will hear Tim contradicting himself. Yeah, this is, sure. this is, this is true. I've kind of written him <laughs> off. But, uh, uh, I mean, I, I hope he does well. It was fun the season Cleveland looked like they were turning around and then they went into the following season. You're like, oh, just crashed back. I'll tell you what, every time, yeah. every time Seattle plays the Browns, I, I always get really nervous because you would think on paper – the teams aren't really evenly matched and the games are always much closer than than they need to be, which is also stressful for me because that's how Seattle plays every single game. But yes, rounding it out, athletes you want to hear mic'd up. Do we want to hear Browns players mic'd up? Of course we do, but we got to get the behind the scenes stuff because I feel like hard knocks opened the door, but then didn't give us enough. So, uh, you know, obviously we're talking about top five. It's going to be a good part of the pod going forward. Um, we're going to talk about sports movies uh, at some point in the near future. So we hope that you guys have been watching, you know, the last dance Lance, hope you enjoyed that. And of course, get ready for be like water, which is the uh, documentary about Bruce, Bruce Lee. Lee. Oh my goodness. Uh, right. Which Tim, of course said, if he finds out the type a for asshole, you know, is Bruce Lee, he might swear off 30 for 30 forever. So go yeah. ahead and tune in uh, this Saturday, no, this Sunday at nine to see if that, that comes true. We're also not sponsored by ESPN. It's just the only thing we have to watch right now. Yeah. It's not like Fox Sports 1 is like, you know, playing anything else than, you know, college games. All righty here. One of the favorite parts of the show, what's in my cup slash parting cheers. Uh, Obviously, Tim and I are big craft beer fans. We want to tell you guys about the beers that we're drinking. Hopefully, if you can find them uh, near you, go ahead and grab them. Or if you have a friend, you can get them via certain means we encourage that as well and if you're listening to this this segment of the podcast and you are a brewery or a distributor or a bottle shop and you want to send some beers our way definitely do that we won't turn that down and we'll talk about them on air right what are you drinking on this fine evening sir 
So on this fine evening, evening, I'm drinking. I'm on a lot of flagships lately, right? So this is uh, Juicy Bits by uh, Weldworks out of Greeley, Colorado. Uh, they're kind of one of those, you know, Midwestern beers uh, that just generates a lot of hype anyways. And the first time you sort of have it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's actually really good. But Weldworks like sours and their stouts are like off the chain. I had a, a Neapolitan ice cream like sour from Weldworks a couple of weeks ago. And it was like, it just sort of blew my mind. Um, and I haven't made it to Greeley yet, but really fortunate to get some of their beers here. So nice. I'm drinking, uh, I don't know if I'd call it an oldie, but a goodie, but um, maybe one of the old reliable. Um, it is Boss Tweed from New Orthodox. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little delicious IPA. Um, they're both hot bill and they're, mash i mean and uh the grain bill is like reading just everything that exists <laughs> <laughs> it's made with pills wheat oat and vienna that's all in the malt and the hops or magnum simcoe citra and mosaic and then it's dry hopped again with simcoe citra mosaic and um azica Azaka, yeah yeah so phenomenal like- 9.3 drinks like a pail wow all right Go ahead and do it. Cheers. Cheers, sir. I feel like in some of these breweries, they're just like, they put so many hops and then, you know, grain varieties that what they should do on the side of the can is hops, almost all of them, (laughs) grains, which ones don't you know? (laughs) Right. It'd be a perfect play on sort of the culture around beer right now where you come up with these ridiculous names. Um, Also, shout out to uh new orthodox typically i had to get them via uh other means but i walked into a package store and saw both this beer and the m34 is m43 m43 M43, i think yeah um both for distribution here in connecticut which is amazing i know a lot of breweries are starting to do that so if you're one of those hardcore beer nerds that sort of swears off your local shop because all you get is uh brewery only take a look. A lot of companies are trying to make up for lost revenue by Mm. distributing because package stores in in most places were deemed essential. So most of them probably had an uptick in sales. If I had to guess, they may have had a down, a downswing for a little bit, but I know leading up to the shutdown, a lot of places locally said that they were doing a lot better right before. Um, So yeah, like I found a lot of main beers that don't typically distribute down this way all available right at the, the package store down the street. In fact, um, when I bought this, I ended up picking up some modern times, which, Oh, there you go. Yeah. Which has been pretty solid. Yeah. It's definitely good. I think that, um, obviously COVID has had many effects on the industry, but one thing that it has shown is that, you know, the need to innovate, right. We keep talking about that and, you know, kind of putting your beer in, in places where it's not. Um, I know for a fact, like even if I go to the grocery store, uh, like the Wegmans is down here, they have like a small section of like main beer co and it's like yep. usually like cleaned out the minute it gets put on the shelf, it's gone yep. um, because it takes a while for that stuff to get down here. I was actually in line at the grocery store the other day and this woman behind me just had one of those, uh, those baskets and she had 15 bottles of lunch. <laughs> oh, lunches. <laughs> because there was, there was no limit. And she was like, sorry. Cause like the, the bottles were rolling down the conveyor belt. I was like, believe me. I'm from, I get it. I'm from Portland. I get it. Right. You know what I mean? She's like, you are. I'm like, yeah, she, do you want one? I'm like, no, I'm good. Like yeah. clearly, clearly yeah. you're either hosting a party where, you know, lunch is the focus or, or you're a big fan. So, so anybody who uh, doesn't know what lunch is, um, 
years ago, maybe six, eight years ago. Um, anybody who used rate beer or untapped or any of those beers would have seen two beers living atop of that list. It was Pliny the Elder and Lunch from Maine Beer Company, and they would go back and forth all the time. Um, West Coast style IPA, but it is still even for its age, even for the style where everybody's moved towards these overly citrusy, hopped up beers. One of my favorite IPAs I will have all the time. Yeah. With that being said, I would encourage everybody, visit your local package store, but if you can, shop local, find a brewery close by, throw them a couple bucks. Yep, everybody's, to go. Everybody's struggling right now. Um, anything you can do. I know we, you know, I'm currently drinking a beer from Michigan, but I do try and keep beers local as frequently as possible. Um, I do this just to make it interesting for you guys. Names you might recognize, but if you can go local, those places are really, really hurting right now. Most of them had to cut staff. Most of them are trying to figure out ways to do it. And now seeing the distribution of some of these, you know, higher profile beers, it's only going to, dip into you know their pockets a little bit because people may turn to some of those because you know the mystique around the beer might be higher than what you know your local brewery might be but buy a couple four packs do what you can yes all right so uh, you know looking ahead to the future obviously sports a lot of things began to reopen back up we're gonna have more content we know you're tired of us just talking about one or two sports at a time uh we're gonna get there uh we really appreciate all the people that downloaded the last podcast. We hope that we're making all the changes that you guys provide the feedback and that we keep getting you to come back. Go ahead and like and share uh, the podcast links that we put up on social media. Put this thing as far and, as, far and wide as you possibly can, and, and we appreciate all the support. So we'll go ahead and talk to you next week. Take it easy.